And I just want to say thank you for having me today, and I'm excited to be here with all of you for worship this morning in chapel. And uh, so thank you to the staff, thank you to faculty for uh, the invitation to come. As already said, I'm serving as the senior pastor over in Tyler, Texas. And, um, and so I've been there since 2019. I was in a transition plan there with Dr. David Dykes, uh, who was at the church for uh, 30 years. And so getting to follow in his footsteps is just such an honor for me. And, um, and it's been a pleasure to serve. And so if you wanna know anything about uh, pastoral ministry, listen, I'm your guy. I've been doing it for six months, okay? All right, thank you for laughing because that was obvious a joke. You know, you never are more um, humbled than when you step into a new role and when you think you may have something figured out that the Lord just reminds us of how desperate we are for the Spirit of God to work in our lives, even through our ignorance and our lacking thereof. And so I'm just grateful that God is gracious uh, to allow me to serve his church in that way. Uh, But for today, I'm excited because um, I love this text in Ephesians chapter three, and we're gonna be looking at verses one through 13 uh, together, and we're talking about what does it look like to proclaim in Christ? I think that every single one of us in this room could identify and, and know that we are called to be proclaimers of the truth of God, that that is no secret. This is nothing new to you. Uh, but I think that it's incredible to look at the example of Paul in this letter uh, in Ephesians. And so if you have your copy of God's word, I just wanna invite you to open there with me to Ephesians chapter three, and I'm gonna read verses one through 13. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming you have heard about the administration of God's grace that he gave me for you, The mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have briefly written above. By reading this, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was not made known to people in other generations as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The Gentiles and co-heirs, members of the same body and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So then I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf for they are your glory." Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask, uh, Lord, that you would take your living, your inerrant, your infallible word, and God, that you would take it, Father, by your spirit and that you would apply it to each of our hearts. God, I know it's so easy for this to be a moment that where 
We are maybe distracted by um, projects around us. We're distracted by tasks around us. We're distracted by other things. But Lord Jesus, we ask that in this moment, God, that you'd be gracious to us in such a way that you would allow us to focus on your word so that we may become more like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen. I'm sure that many of you are aware of the events that took place on April 15th of 1912, where almost 1,500 passengers uh, and, and staff members um, went down with the ship Titanic. You know, I find that story very interesting to me, but what is interesting surrounding those events is that there were actually uh, two ships that had an opportunity to respond to the Titanic as it was experiencing that crisis. Um, one ship was named the Californian, and they were about uh, 20 miles away from the Titanic at the point of when it started uh, to sink after it hit the iceberg. They saw the flares, they saw uh, the commotion that was going on, but just assumed that it was nighttime entertainment for the people on the ship. They had already turned uh, their radio off, and so they couldn't hear uh, anyone calling out for help. And so by the time that they found out that there was actually a catastrophe taking place, it was too late. And the crew, members of the Californian, they had to live with this for the rest of their lives. This opportunity that they had to respond to a crisis and where they just didn't. Many think that it's because of complacency that has set in, maybe into their hearts or into their lives or whatever it may be, but nonetheless, that they missed that opportunity to respond. You know, I think this can actually happen to many of us in ministry. It can definitely happen to many of us as followers of Jesus, that we have a tendency, if we are not careful, to be propelled toward complacency rather than into action. I know that is the case for my life. In the Bible Belt, where we are right now, maybe at the very uh, belt buckle, um, that it's easy for us to recognize that we have uh, some of the most educated people when it comes to biblical literature. We have some of the most uh, educated people. We have the greatest programs in church ministry. We have institutions great like this one right here that is training up individuals to become not just great followers of Jesus, but ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what often we see is that our education sometimes surpasses our level of obedience. And what happens at times is that we allow this complacency to enter into our lives you know, as it was just said that I served as a, a firefighter and medic before God called me into the ministry. This was, my, this was my goal in life. My dad was a firefighter in Atlanta. My, my uncle was a firefighter in Atlanta. My grandfather was a police officer. So public safety was in my blood. It was in my veins. This is what I wanted to do. And I, was, I remember um, being uh, in school, in fire school, and I remember one of my lieutenants telling me that, that the greatest danger to any firefighter has nothing to do with smoke, it has nothing to do with flames, it has nothing to do with the dangers in the call. The most dangerous thing that can happen to a firefighter is that they themselves can become complacent. That this is actually the cause of every death uh, that we see. 
is that somehow we become complacent in our actions. And what if Paul is just reminding us in this moment, because when we look at this text, you don't see complacency from Paul. I mean, Paul would have every opportunity to become complacent. He had every opportunity to complain about where he is. I mean, at this moment of his writing of this letter, he is chained to a Roman guard. He is imprisoned. And so he would have every opportunity to complain about his circumstance, but instead we see something completely opposite. We see that with him, that he understands that his calling is to proclaim Christ. What a simple message for us. And maybe this is just for me in this room and that's fine. Uh, But what a simple message to just be reminded that as followers of Jesus, that your primary responsibility is to proclaim the truth of Christ. That is it. The reason why you are a part of this institution is so that we are better prepared to proclaim the truth of Christ. And I love what we see first from Paul is that what are we to proclaim exactly? What do we see from Paul's life? Well, the first thing that I see is that we are to proclaim the will of Christ. Proclaim the will. Look at Ephesians 3.1. Once again, it says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. You see, he doesn't recognize his circumstance as a prisoner of Rome. He doesn't recognize his circumstance as being chained to a Roman guard, but rather he sees his life as being tethered, as being chained to Christ himself. You know, this is not something that would sell books in today's culture, most likely. Um, This wouldn't be a bestseller, but for us to write a book about when you follow Jesus, that it ends up in misery. When you follow Jesus, it ends up in Uh, uncomfortable circumstances, uncomfortable situations, but this was the life of Paul, right? And I mean, Jesus even helps the disciples understand this. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he, he tells him, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. You know, this is such a hopeful message just just from Jesus himself for us to be reminded that even when the world is in turmoil, even when the world seems to be upside down at every corner, no matter where you look, that Jesus can look at his people and say, listen, you don't have to fear. You don't, have to, you don't have to press pause in what you are doing for me. You don't have to look around you and be upset, concerned. You don't have to have any of these things, but rather you can be courageous. Why? Because Jesus himself, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, has already conquered the world through his death and resurrection. That we can have hope in this. But how does that help us in the present day? It's easy to kind of think of in a theoretical sense, but in order to practice this thought from Jesus, this truth from Jesus, is something different. Well, what did Paul do? He understood his circumstance was all about the will of Christ. I love what is written in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 
through 13, it says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. You see, the way that Paul recognized his life was not that he was chained to a Roman guard. It was that he was chained to the will of Christ. And no matter what, you see, this Roman guard thinks that Paul is chained to him. But in essence, what Paul is saying is that, no, 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 that's not what has happened. This Roman guard has been chained to me so that the gospel of Jesus Christ will advance, so that the gospel, the truth of God's hope that he gives us in his word will advance because this man is chained to me. Therefore, the entire imperial guard is gonna know the name of Jesus. You see, this is what he did to proclaim the truth of Christ. I love that the story of Martin and Gracia Burnham who served as missionaries in the Philippines for 17 years. And one evening they were celebrating their anniversary. They're at a dinner and all of a sudden, there's this great commotion at their dinner, and they were kidnapped um, by jihadists. And they took them, and they actually uh, swept them away on boats, and they took them away from just all other civilization, and they were with them for 376 days. This took place, and during those days, uh, Martin took it upon himself to embody Psalm chapter 100, verse two, that says that we will serve the Lord with gladness, that he continued in that light, that every single day when they were um, backpacking, they were taking all of the jihadists, their, all of their supplies. They were the one that were basically the mules for these guys, and they were going up and down, hiking these treacherous uh, terrains. And every single night, the the guards, every single night, the jihadists, they would argue over who had to chain up Martin because every single time that they would go to chain him up, he would look at him in the eyes and say, thank you. Every single time that they got close to him, he took it as an opportunity to advance the truth of Jesus Christ. He was sharing the gospel with his captors because he understood the life of Paul. He understood this example that they are not chained to them, but rather God has chained them to Martin and Gracia so that they may know the truth of Jesus Christ so that the gospel of Jesus will continue to go forth. Paul says, I am chained to Christ on behalf of you. You know, I think it's easy for us to sometimes get down and out about our circumstance. Sometimes it's easy for us to get down and out about maybe where God has me in this season. We think that this isn't what I was planning. I was supposed to be done with school by now, but here I am in my sixth Seventh, eighth year, I'm kidding, I hope that's not you. But we get down and out about all types of circumstances and places where God may have us. But for Paul, he knew that wherever God had him was for the will of God to continue forward, for the advancement of God's kingdom. But we also see that Paul is proclaiming the mystery of Christ. You see, if we proclaim something, because we're all proclaiming something, right? 
But we want to make sure that we are proclaiming the mystery of Christ, the truth of Christ, the gospel of Christ. And this is what Paul says in verse four. He says, by reading this, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. You know, all throughout Paul's letters, he loves to use this word mystery. In fact, we see it here four different times, and it's critical for us to understand what is it that Paul is specifically talking about, but he is talking about the truth, this mystery that is revealed only by God himself. That the only way that you and I understand the truth of God is if God himself reveals that truth to us. And how does Paul describe it? He describes it in two different ways here in this passage. And first, it is the riches of Christ, and then it is the light of Christ. He says that I'm going to tell you about the riches of Christ. It says in verse eight, this grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ. Paul says, there's no way for me to really put into words um, how to express. There's no way for me to really express. So in essence, he kind of makes up his own word here. We don't really see this word until this point. We see remnants of it and see similar language in Job chapter five, verse nine. We see similar language in Job chapter nine, verse 10, when it's talking about the wonders of God's creation, the wonders of God's providence in our life. But here, Paul says, this is the incalculable, the unmeasurable riches of God. You know, astronomers have come to agree that galaxies and galaxy clusters are filled with some sort of material that is invisible to us. And they are calling it dark matter. In fact, in their study of dark matter, then they came across something else called dark energy. I think they're just making things up, but who am I? I'm not, okay, I'm not an astronomer, okay? But this is why it's important because uh, they have discovered that dark energy comprises of almost 68% of the total universe and dark matter almost 27%, and which means that only 5% of the entire universe is visible to us. The universe is almost completely unsearchable to us, even in all of our technological advances. And I think that when we think through that, that that gives us a glimpse, maybe a little bit, not as much, not to the same degree, but it gives us a little bit of a glimpse of what Paul is trying to explain here when he says, listen, what you are thinking through in the mystery of Christ, it is completely unsearchable that the life that you can have in Jesus, the blessing, the riches that are in Christ Jesus are absolutely unmatched. They're unparalleled. They are absolutely unsearchable. And it it is so unsearchable that I can't even think of a word to describe this. Therefore, I'm just going to make one up for you. He says, this is Christ. But he also says that it is the light. This mystery is the light of Christ. Verse 9 says, what is Paul doing as he is proclaiming the truth of Jesus? He says in verse 9, he says, and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. 
You see, in our proclamation of the truth of Jesus, it is our job to shed light where there is darkness. You see, this isn't a defensive tactic. This is on the offense. This isn't waiting for darkness to come to us. It is us taking the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ into the dark corners of the earth. This is the call of Christ on every single follower of Jesus. This is not your vocation. This is your calling in Christ as a follower of Jesus. It is our job to illuminate the things of Christ. You know, I think through every single time you go into a burning building. Anybody ever been in a burning building? Listen, everybody should do it before, they're, before they die, okay? It's just something that everyone should do, all right? It's one of the most exhilarating things in the world. But every time you go in, it's absolutely, if there's good smoke, if it's burning good, all right, uh, then there's great smoke. Thermal layering is taking place and you cannot see anything. But as soon as you break a window, as soon as vertical uh, ventilation takes place, all of a sudden the smoke and everything that starts to disappear and all of a sudden you begin to see in that house. You see, it's the same thing that we are called to do as shedding light is what we are doing is we are removing the smoke. We are removing the things that are veiling the world's eyes. We are attempting to partner with the Spirit of God in such a way that people come to an understanding of the truth of Jesus Christ. I love what Matthew chapter five says in Jesus. He says this, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You see, when there is a light on a hill, it is so that the entire city can see. In the same way, this is how you and I are to proclaim the truth of Jesus. It is not for the sake of winning an argument, but rather it is for the sake of someone coming to a knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and the fact that he came, he lived a perfect life so that this broken sinner, this broken sinner may come to a knowledge and saving faith of Jesus Christ. That is why we are shedding the light. And the last thing we see is that we proclaim the purpose of Christ. I love how Paul ends this passage in Ephesians chapter 3, 10 and 11. It says, this is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens this is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, this is God's plan for the truth to move forward. You know, whatever context that you are in right now, whatever context that God is going to plant you in in the future, no matter what that is, it is our job through the proclamation of God's inerrant word to lead people toward this mission. In everything that we do, that we are moving the church toward this understanding that we want to make sure that the world that is living hopeless, that the world around us that is living in darkness will understand the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is the purpose. We could be like the Californian, that you see the world in need around you. We have a couple of options. You can either 
ignore what the world is calling around us because here's the truth. With every crisis that exists around us is a cry for people that need a savior. See, so many times we wanna politicize what is happening and absolutely, is it political? Sure, but what we see as followers of Jesus Christ is not a political movement, but rather we see a world that is desperate for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see a world that is in desperate need of the truth that you and I have been entrusted with. And this is why I love Southwestern so much because it continues to move people toward this end. That their goal is to not just create followers of Jesus, but to create followers of Jesus who are impacting the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because why? We have this promise from Paul. It says, in him, we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So then I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, behalf for they are your glory. You see, there was a second ship that I told you about, and this ship was named the Carpathia. Whereas the California was only 20 miles off, the Carpathia was 58 miles away, but its radio was on. When they got the call that the Titanic was sinking, it powered every engine that it had. They blasted it with coal. They went as fast as they could, full steam ahead for three and a half hours, and they were able to save 705 people. It took them three and a half hours to get there, but they went as hard and as fast as possible. You see, this is what God is calling the church to be, that we have our radios on, that we are ready, we are prepared, and when darkness strikes when we see it that we are not complacent to where we just turn the things off and just pretend it's not there but rather we respond with the truth of Jesus this is our calling this is what it truly looks like to proclaim in the power of Christ and what you have to decide is okay how am I going to live out my life for Jesus no matter what my vocation is, no matter where God calls me next, no matter what God asks me to do next, where and how am I going to live out this example of Jesus Christ? 